Hey everyone, it's Kathy here from Geek Girl Meetup UK and I am podcasting you live, obviously it's not live when you listen to this, but from a hotel room in San Francisco with dear friend, founder of Geek Girl Meetup UK along with Magda and Josie and the founder of her, Miss Robin Exton. Um, So this is a slightly different Geek Girl podcast, so obviously it is Geek Girl Meets and we're here to talk about Robin and her career, what it's like to go from London to San Francisco and all of the usual stuff, but the the nice added thing is that it's actually Geek Girls chatting. Geek Girls unite in San Francisco. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, so it's pretty cool to actually just see you here rather than you kind of flying into London and kind of turning up for breakfast and going, hey! Hi guys, this is what's going on. <laughs> um, and to actually kind of see more about her over here, which is really, really exciting. So, you know roughly how we go about this. So the first question is, oh, of course, Robin, what did you want to be when you were growing up? When I was growing up, I used to go through phases of different things. I think for a long time I wanted to be a vet, but I think a lot of young people just like animals and figure they want to be a vet. But my main focus for a long period of time was I had the intention to have two jobs and one was going to be a ballerina and the other was going to be a checkout girl at Sainsbury's. Wow. Because I was big into the till and loved like the noise and the beeps and everything that came from it. Then when uh, school life started, when I was actually like picking a career, I came to a split point where I was deciding if I wanted to do law or something else at university. And so was pretty set on being a lawyer for a bit did work experience, spent a bit of time with um, a partner at one of the big firms. And at the end of it, he was just like, don't do it. It's it's a massive mistake. Don't do this. And I was like, okay, that seems like a good piece of advice. And uh, went into marketing instead. Cool. Okay, so how do we go from marketing post-uni into creating her? And actually, before we get to the point of actually talking through a journey, why don't you give us the the elevator pitch, what is her? Yeah, so her is an app that helps lesbian, bisexual and queer women meet each other. Um, uh, I, I got there because, so as soon as I left uni, I went into advertising post-production and then uh, started working with a branding agency and they were like just really cool. And I think when I was younger, someone that was, they were like doing cool photo shoots and stuff that seemed like really fancy and creative and I loved it. And so went to join them and uh, through like lots of different clients, ended up with two clients that I think mattered a lot. One was B, who were an ISP um, as part of uh, O2. And so they would test all of their like, uh, um, internet propositions through B. It was like a kind of testing platform. Um, and it was when I first like started to understand the internet and uh, like, I don't know, everyone was talking about phrases like web 2.0 and I was like, what is web 2.0? I don't understand <laughs> these things. And, uh, I remember so clearly like one of the guys on the team used to always come to these meetings and he would be talking about like latency and pings, speeds and ping rates and I was like how does he know this stuff and I bought Wired for the first time and uh, I remember I was sitting in this um, uh, cafe on High Street Kensington with a copy of Wired and it like blew my mind as I was reading it and I was like this is so interesting like I just never really found stuff like that interesting before maybe I was younger and I didn't I was a bit like apathetic about things but I really did find it genuinely very very interesting and uh, then my next client um, was a dating agency or dating like 
platform basically so they're called white label dating or ventro as they're now in the uk and uh, they were an awesome company really great founder who i think i was like really like inspired by and impressed with he was a young guy who had built this huge business we were pitching them ideas of what they could or should work on um mainly within the straight market and uh, i think that was like the first time when i was like thinking what could happen a friend was working on the account with me and we used to always like bounce around ideas of different things we could do he was using grinder a lot and one of our creative directors i remember one night in the pub was like you do think you're so smart why don't you go and make something yourself and so i mean however many things on the line so we worked on a like dating app idea ourselves the two of us he then left and moved to paris i was then by myself um and then I, so I'd kind of like started getting into the startup world slightly. And um, one of my friends uh, who was at the marketing agency is called George Spencer. He's the founder of Rentify, which is another great London startup. And uh, I'd been talking to him. And so he kind of really hooked me into it. And then was in the pub with a friend. She'd split up with her girlfriend. I was using these crappy lesbian dating websites and she was asking me which ones I was using. And so I had to tell her. And as I did it, I was like, this is ridiculous why have I been thinking about these ideas that we were like for the for the mass market when actually there's one that is so ridiculously poorly served one that is just seen so like wrongly by everyone else like the way everyone sees the lesbian market is so different to what it feels like to be inside of it like being queer being bi being genderqueer like it's such a different community to how people who create magazines or do ad campaigns to the LGBT community see it. And so I kind of felt there was an interesting opportunity to do something that actually really served like what lesbian, bi and queer women were like, what they were looking for and a brand that actually resonated with them. Um, and so that's when it started. That was the inspiration. Yeah. Actually go and make her. Yeah. So how did you actually go about starting to work on the product and what the company was going to look like? So when I first started, I didn't know anything about products. So I would design wireframes in PowerPoint and just put things together. And I kind of thought that was just all that was needed. Like do your six wireframes and then someone will make an app. And uh, just didn't know anything about the stuff. But so George from Rentify was a great person that kind of introduced me to some things. I then literally, one of the first ever startup events that I went to was this, um, uh, Monday Night Burgers that Rob Fitzpatrick ran and when I went there there was um Heidi was there at the very first one and Rob was like you've got to meet Heidi um and so spoke to her and she had recently-ish moved to London from Sweden and was running Geek Girl and got on super well with her and she was doing the first conference and asked me to come talk at the conference about brand so when I was approaching it everything I was thinking about was from a brand perspective and what would the brand feel like and how would this mean something to the like a the, the queer like 20 year olds that I knew not thinking at all about the product or the experience or the interaction and then I from the client that was B the broadband company um they had a consultant who was a 17 year old guy at the time who used to tell them about what it was like to be a hacker like on on the inside and so I got in touch with him and said do you know any people that could help me develop an app he put me in touch with other people and one thing led to another and um uh, He's actually now in San Francisco working at Zendesk. So everything goes like full cycle. Yeah. Um, but so got some freelancers to build the first version. As I was briefing them, it was when I first started to realize how little I knew about what I was asking for. And all these terms about like 
backend and Python and they were making like decisions and I had no idea how to input on it. And so I went, I did a GA front end web dev course to start learning a little bit about what I was talking about. Um, moved in with my dad, uh, so started to save a bunch of rent money, um, uh, sold pretty much everything that I had that was of value so I could start saving money. And then I won a bit of money on the lottery. Um, so it was like the best and worst day in, in two moments. So I play Euro Millions a lot because I love it. And I there are like seven numbers that you need to get. I matched six out of seven numbers. And so in so many ways, it was, it was amazing. It, it really gave me the break to quit my job finally when I knew I had, it was like I won three and a half grand. It doesn't seem like a lot necessarily in like the scale of how much you need to raise but like it yeah. felt like a huge shift of like okay I've I've got a bit of it because you know it taken me like six months to save three grand otherwise and and then I just doubled it like uh, instantly so um uh, that was amazing at the same time I was like one more number and I would have got like <laughs> 70 million quid or something um but so so that happened so then we built the first version um that went out, um, and then uh, and and that was when I quit my job. So yeah, like the, the day that I submitted it to Apple was the day that I quit. Um, yeah. And uh, then I, it does make a massive difference doing it full time. Like uh, the it just everything goes into it. And then so I ran for like three months. That money that I'd saved lasted that long. Then I started running out of money and realized that I wouldn't because I was paying engineers as well as my rent. Um, uh, and so then. Uh, I had to start uh, finding a job again and I was going to do some kind of like consulting, but I didn't like the idea of feeling like I was giving up what I'd quit to do. So uh, there was a pub literally opposite my flat. So started working in there. And so I would work evening and weekend shifts and then work on Datch as it was then during the day. Um, And then I got into Wira and that was like a really, I think an important step for me for making this like apart from me trying to like pull pieces together and shove it up a hill like finally there was some kind of like structure to what I was doing and I had an actual like a check in the bank that allowed me to really hire people and start trying to build a team around it yeah and that's quite a key moment yeah it was it really was (laughs) like uh, I think uh Wire, yeah, it made a massive difference. I remember the day we got into Wire, um, or the day I got into Wire because it wasn't we yet, Royal We. Um, uh, day one inside our pods, like everyone's there with all their teams, and so Brittany from Songdrop was next to us, and there's three there. Um, we had another team that was four of them um, the other side, and it was just me sat at the table by myself, and I was like looking around, and everyone had their teams, and I was just like, so get on with things then (laughs) don't worry about myself but then we had like um uh, emily joined soon afterwards and she was a user and like basically volunteered to help out and then met vesna and rock and so they then joined a bit afterwards and yeah it all kind of like grew out from there yeah so obviously i know roughly where you went after wira and, and how you kind of led here but you know wira was great to get you to another point and then what made you go from London to San Francisco what's the story that brings you out here so I think there's so many things like when I started to realize how little I knew about product and technology I think I realized that I just yeah didn't know anything really about what I was doing so I started to like absorb as much information as I possibly could from like smart people and from anything I could read like uh, blogs or books or anything about what it means to like run a startup company or how to build products and listen to users and do other stuff 
really strong message that I had from that was you've got to hit product market fit before you scale. And it lodged this like massive bee in my bonnet about it, that that was what we had to do. And so for like a, about six to seven months after Wira, I was determined we would not launch in any other markets, any other places until we had hit product market fit. With hindsight, I don't think that was necessarily the right decision. I think particularly with like a consumer social network or dating product, you have to hit critical mass of users. And I think you have very limited resources. Not only are we talking about trying to hit like a certain age group within London, I'm talking about women who were attracted to other women. And so I've got a very confined like limitation. There really wasn't a reason why it couldn't be in other places at the same time. Like yeah. they're talking about scaling when you've got server costs that are going to explode and, you know, like hiring 40 engineers all in one go before you need to. It wasn't the kind of like scaling that I was like fixed on so it all started to shift so I'd I'd said like no to every time we were looking at America and I think my team were constantly like going Jesus Christ Robin like do it yeah yeah um uh, and so then uh uh, there's there's an amazing group called Lesbians Who Tech and they were running as mainly like meetups in America I met the founder at um a lesbian drinks thing in London and uh, she said we've got our conference it's we're doing our first conference in San Francisco um uh, would you would you think about like coming to pitch it because we've got a pitch competition and uh, despite all my like we must not go to America I was like do you know what an auditorium filled with lesbians from the tech space this is a great set of people to like get bought into what we're doing early adopters right yeah exactly yeah and so that was the first okay I was like decided to do that and then I thought okay I'll pair it with a trip to New York to like just start to understand I think I was starting to raise money at that time as well. So I was like, I'll see what the feedback is like to raising investment in New York. When I was in New York, I distinctly remember I got Vesna and Rock uh, on a Skype call and that was our uh, designer and engineer. And I was like, guys, just met someone, discussed this idea. I know we're going to San Francisco in two weeks and the plan, uh, in two days and the plan is not to launch there or do anything. It was just to pitch and get feedback. And I was like, I think that might be a bad idea. Like maybe we should actually release it and just see what happens. And they were like, yes. So I was like, what do we need to do? So we're like, okay, everything started to get planned. Like what did we need to like technically set up? Like uh, what for users? Just like actually working out what would be involved with it. Because as well as Lesbians Who Tech, I was pitching at the launch conference and I was like, I'm pitching at launch, pitching an auditorium filled with lesbians. This couldn't be more perfect. So pitched at launch, we ended up winning best designed app at the conference. And when you win at conferences over here, you get like 25 grand's worth of investment, 50 grand's worth of AWS credits, like seriously valuable stuff. So that was a huge shift. And I managed to spend some time with Jason Kalkanis, who he introduced me to some fantastic people. Like that was awesome. And then the next day I had Lesbians Who Tech. We won the pitch competition. So I got like a grant check of two and a half K And then Dave McClure was one of the judges on stage. And he was like, I like you. I want to write you a check. And, you know, my brain was like exploding when I pitched like a thousand lesbians stood up in a room and were like cheering and fist pumping. And it was just like, whoa, this is so different to everything that I'd experienced in London. And I think the main thing really like people just offering me money was not happening in London. At that stage, we'd raised a hundred thousand pounds and, uh, it had taken me a really long time to get that money in the first place. And then to have someone like Dave McClure go, I'm going to write you a check for $100,000. I was just like, holy shit, this is, 
like this is like so insane and magical I need to be here more basically so went back to London spoke to the guys I said look I'm going to give it three months in San Francisco like that's the length of an Esther do a massive push see if I can raise a round of money while I'm out there and see what can happen if we launch in other cities in the US Um, and that's kind of where it all started from so we started to do city by city launches started raising from investors over here and it's it's addictive like the culture the climate the attitude that people have here it like blows your socks off the first time you come here it's so optimistic and it's it's so in contrast to London when you first come here to feel like everyone believes in you and supports you like in London you feel you're pitching and everyone's just looking at you going like oh please like yeah good luck mate come back to me when you've got like hundreds of thousands of pounds in sales or you've got a million users like otherwise not interested some of that's probably just like paranoia or insecurity or investors just not being interested in my business but at the time to then come to America and everyone's like, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And saying they want to give you money and writing you checks and even the ones that don't manage to build you up a lot more than I'd ever felt before. And uh, that was really like compelling for me. And I think for founders in London, you're fighting against that general pessimistic attitude. You're continually fighting to be the the slight dreamer and the hoper and believe that you can turn it into something and to then meet investors like founders teammates who all have the same attitude you're like this it feels feels great so that's when it all started coming over here yeah so how long have you actually been here now so I've been here now for a year but I spent the year before that I spent a year going back and forth when I first started in San Francisco I was going back and forth for a year raising money and launching in cities and hiring people here um and then we got into Y Combinator this time last year um and so that was the kind of final hurdle to be like right this is it I'm going full-time um the team all came over for YC and we all lived in a house together in Menlo Park and did the real like Silicon Valley YC thing um and then since then we've been kind of getting visas for everyone sorted so that everyone can be over here yeah okay can I get a job with you guys so I can actually yeah. just move here as well? <laughs> get to spend your day with women all day, Woo! like talking to women, going to massive lesbian parties. You'd start Geek Girl in San Francisco. I know, I know. Well, Heidi was here for a bit, and yeah. so she was starting to do it, and we like were talking about getting it going. Um, and then she left to go back to Stockholm, and so I haven't like got. She we, she ran one Geek Girl here, um, but I haven't got my. Um, things in order to start doing it yeah I think we should get on that we'll bring out Miggy and yeah. and Kaylee and we'll get Josie over from New Josie York. can fly down yeah <laughs> we'll be fine we'll yeah. do a big geek girl in, in San Fran maybe we could do like oh. a little conference here anyway that's enough geek girl <laughs> yeah, we'll go back to that um, so based on your experience so coming up with an idea for a startup rolling with it growing it getting the funding moving all of these different different things you know, what's the like big piece of advice you would give anyone who's thinking I have an idea I have an idea for a tech company what do I do I really can't like emphasize enough how um like great ideas are such a great start but everything in a company is based on execution so the fear that like you don't know anything is also fine like no one knows anything when they start doing this like all you have to do is start executing and keep executing and get smart as fast as you can and uh, start building something it's everyone has ideas like it's I always love it it kind of just makes me smile now when you meet the founder who like won't doesn't want to tell you about their idea and you're just like um mate like no one cares what your idea is what I care about is how you're going to bring this to life like how you're going to be able to do this 
So I think uh, starting on something, the only time you can start learning and actually building value in what you're doing is when you start making something. And whatever step that is, start doing it. I, I still now to this day, like it's not uh, it's not imposter syndrome, but there's something that um, always surprises me repeatedly. I always get this feeling that like this advice that I hear about or these principles that people tell me about, I feel like other companies have like got this like magic sauce or magic recipe of how they've figured out like how to do hiring or how to do customer acquisition or how to like look at your retention numbers or and every time I like uncover a, a piece of like or a layer of the onion like you understand things like in incremental sets and each time I actually understand the next layer of something I'm like ah oh, shit there is no magic sauce like I've actually known it all along I just haven't seen it from like this perspective and so feeling like you don't know what you're doing is, is a constant feeling and that's the the sign that you are doing the right thing that you're challenging yourself and putting yourself in new environments so never fear that you don't know what's going on just keep doing things keep learning and try and make the smartest decision you can as fast as you can yeah that's a really really good piece of advice on that note because obviously you were just talking about you know be smart learn quickly take it all on board you mentioned earlier that you read a lot you were trying to understand multiple different things but you know like say today where you are now in her's journey what are you reading what are you listening to so I read a lot of Paul Graham's essays and uh, it's funny because before I was in YC, YC was like this entity that I heard about and I didn't actually like fully engage with it as a person. I think it felt so like San Francisco and like this otherworldly set. When you get into YC, I actually started reading his essays after that and I think especially as you're running a company, they are so fantastic and uh, they are so valuable and I think each time you can only people can only really focus on one core issue at a time and so finding the essay that is relevant to what you're working on at that time is really helpful um uh, I sound like a YC addict but on Snapchat Justin Khan is a great person to follow like uh, you're watching you're just like you know reading watching your stories every night before you go to bed and Justin's just like dishing out startup advice like every night and the Twitch story is amazing like from Justin TV to Twitch like they've went through so much crap to be able to do that and have learned so much and gone through so much I I like that advice in like kind of bite-sized chunks um uh, I listen to the Recode podcasts every now and then um because I love Cara Swisher I think she's superb um uh, and then I read things Sometimes some of the VCs like uh, have great posts that I really enjoy reading. So the Anderson Horowitz ones are pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm doing like a first round capital one today. Um, uh, honestly, like a lot of the stuff I read just comes from Facebook now. So stuff that other people that I respect, like if they're sharing stuff from Facebook or Twitter, I'll tend to click on that. So honestly, it makes a massive difference in my content. Like Dave McClure and Dave Marin share really great content on Facebook and so I'll tend to see a lot of what they share and read it um uh, yeah that's that's the main things that's kind of social media has become the reading list right yeah which I think a lot of people have you see someone that influences you in some way we have a relationship with and the minute they share content you go oh yeah it's like a little stamp of approval I should have a look at this and also like our lives are so like you know from one notification to the next like one event meeting like product push whatever to the next dedicating time to do reading basically never happens like unless you're on an airplane or you know at night you you don't set aside time particularly to read and so uh, 
I, I read when it's forced into my face and I'm like, I think that will be helpful. I will grab that and do that because it's relevant to me right now. Yeah. So PG's essays, I will go to almost when I have like a problem and I'm trying to, and I'm like hitting a wall of trying to figure out what to do. Those other ones are when I've got the problem sat underneath, but I haven't quite figured out how to approach it. And it's particularly relevant to me at that point in time. Um, I have the odd book that I'll always like have on the shelf and basically never make my way through because I'm like struggling to read. I'm not very good at reading like business books. I kind of start them with good intentions. I really liked um, the hard thing about hard things. Yeah. Um, uh, it was just like, it's that's the other thing about being a founder. Like every time you think you've got shit hard, I was just with one of, um, so a team of us from YC meet up every couple of weeks to talk about like milestones and set targets every two weeks. Met with one of the other guys and he was like, so this week I didn't raise any money. My CTO left, who's my only other co-founder, uh, didn't get the two contracts that I need. And you're just like, oh, oh. I thought my stuff was bad. Yours is yours is bad. <laughs> and like then top trumps of who's got the worst information yeah. that week. And it's like someone else has got something bad going on. And I do I do love it when you hear the shit stuff, which is very not San Francisco to talk about. Like everyone's if you think everyone pretends in London, like Jesus in San Francisco, it's like, everything is fucking awesome. <laughs> like uh, all the time. So it's rare. That, and being the British person, you're like, yeah, it's all right. And they're like, oh my God, what's wrong? You're like, no, no, that's good. That, yeah, like in my terms, that's, that's pretty, yeah. things are great. <laughs> Super good. Yeah, if I sound slightly cynical right now, it actually means I'm really happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't quite hit the right note over here. Yeah. So, okay, we've done her which anyone out there that wants to go check out the app, please go have a look. It's we'll do a free. Plug. It's free. And Robin <laughs> created it and you should all go look at it. I believe strongly that everyone should have a sexual experience with another woman at some point in their life. So if you already know that that is the woman for you and the path, go for it. If you're not quite sure, her is a super welcoming environment. <laughs> You can even say on your profile that you're straight, but I think everyone should have that experience. There you go. I've got Robin Exton in my hotel room right now. So <laughs> we'll see what box Tonight we take after this podcast. <laughs> um, so we've done her. Let's switch focus. Let's talk geek girl. So I came on board with you guys literally just over a year ago. Yeah. And it was around about the time that you moved over here. Yeah. And it was like, oh, the Robin's going all the way to San Francisco. We need some more bodies. That's when I joined, Kaylee joined, Miggy joined. Um, and we had Josie and Magda was in Singapore still. And then she came back and now Josie's in New York. <laughs> um, Geek Girl's been running now, what, in London for about four years? Almost four years? Yeah, I think the first two years were, was, so Heidi did the conference the first year in London, and then the second conference she did a year later was in Oxford, and that was the point where Josie Magda and I were on the way back from it and had the first conversation. We were like, this is so fantastic. I feel so, like, good about life and everything. Like, I need more of this in my life. Yeah, so you guys decided, right, that's it. We're going to make it a regular meetup. Yeah, and I think, I think Heidi... I think she, I've got my like, memory segment, I think she was in Oxford for that um, and we were helping out at it, but then she was basically just moving back to Stockholm and so that's why she wasn't going to be around to do it. And so, yeah, we were literally on the bus or something uh, or on the train coming back and I was, I think I was starting, yeah, I, must have, I, was, I was doing Dutch and it was so, it's so hard running a startup, like always relentlessly hard and you, it's never enough. What you do is never enough. And then I went to Geek Girl and like everything we did was enough and more. Like it was great. We had put in all this effort, this extra time. 
we weren't trying to like scale it to 100,000 users. It was like actually about creating value for a set of people and doing something wonderful. Yeah. And it made me feel so good about stuff um, uh, that we just said, like, what do we want to do that would make us feel better like this more often? Um, and so we started going to Ozone for breakfast. And uh, so <laughs> good eggs. <laughs> good eggs. Yeah. Service, but yeah. we keep going back there every yeah. single week. Can't so, help it. Yeah, no, it's the place. I think yeah. we've tried a couple of different places, and when I say different, I mean like Kathy got Shoreditch House memberships. So, yeah. Woo! Let's all go to Shoreditch House. Um, but yeah, yeah, we dude, we mentioned them in L magazine, and they still yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. no, no, yeah. like oh hi, you're back again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not like Cheers, where everybody knows your name. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so then, so then we we went to breakfast, and we were like, what would we want to do? What do we think is valuable what do you think is missing like what makes geek girl different to girls in tech to stemettes like what do they do what do we like about this like what does it mean to us why does it make us feel like this and so we kind of had some ideas and then we were just like well we're going for breakfast and that in itself makes us feel better about this what if we just invited the mailing list to come join us for breakfast so we did that and it was a bit weird like everyone was kind of coming in and out and we weren't clear about what it was or clear on the expectations so that's when we were like okay there needs to be a purpose of why everyone is coming here otherwise like people other commitments come up and so I think literally the next one we were like okay let's do breakfast and let's get someone to speak and and to talk about it and then it evolved into the format of the three speakers and having like a kind of beginner and expert or like media project talk and and then I think uh, we did the first conference, um, which was like such a rush. And so uh, it was super fantastic. I felt so, so good after it. Yeah. And uh, I think Geek Girl has this like slightly addictive feel to it. When things go so well, like you get hooked and you're like, I want to do more, I want to do more. But everyone has other jobs. And I think that's kind of what makes it not become that like big thing to lose the sense of what it is is that everyone's doing it in a volunteer like capacity and really is like a labor of love and I think it gives a lot back to the people that organize it and it um uh, yeah the conference was amazing and then started to get ready to move to San Francisco yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing like, I can't think of any geek girl event that we've done where you haven't left afterwards and gone wow yeah like you do genuinely leave feeling inspired as even just like as someone that organizes you walk away and you're like I feel so pumped yeah I'm just buzzed exactly you're always buzzed it's like there's this energy and I can't work out if it's just about getting a group of women together like a group of women who care about something like the reason when people buy a ticket to go to an event and even if it is just putting down a fiver or whatever you're buying a ticket to an event about a topic that you're interested in you're you're leaning in like but you're making a proactive decision to be a part of something because you want to learn about something or meet other people and so you've got this mindset you're with other people that have the right mindset and there's a want to make something or do something and it creates this energy like from it and that's always makes me feel like slightly high when I leave (laughs) yeah it's an actual high that's exactly what it is so come to geek girl meetup if you want to feel like you're on drugs yeah (laughs) happy lovey drugs (laughs) She says from San Francisco. <laughs> uh, I love that. The, 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 tram. Know, the tram. The tram just, just pinged. They're not fake background noises. We're actually <laughs> in a hotel room in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, to go back to kind of like the core reason for Geek Girl, obviously the core reason is we want to see more women in tech and we want 
women in tech that are already women in tech to be a hell of a lot more visible than they are. And there's like a general movement at the moment within conferences and, and multiple other things that are really pushing women forward, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, we're getting there in 2016. Yeah. Let's keep going, people. Um, but what do you think, you know, generally women could do or just everyone within tech could do in order to kind of help the cause right what's the you know like one like key point from robin exton what would you like everyone to do or or women to do i think there's two sides of the equation um i think a lot about hiring um maybe it's because that's like on my brain a lot at the moment but like women getting jobs getting like good jobs right jobs like getting opportunities that come from those jobs I think that is important hiring women and and that's a lot of the discussion is about like the pipeline problem or like going like oh you know whichever VC fund it was said I don't want to compromise and take a woman on because she's like just to fill a quota and it's like but the thought that you would be compromising to get a woman find a good woman and get her in your company like uh there are fewer women in tech and that is the pure fact of it but you can build more women into tech if you find the women that are out there and put them into the positions where they get the opportunity to shine like uh, it's not compromising on anything you would hire a guy that didn't necessarily have the experience but you wouldn't see it as much of a risk but because someone's a woman you think oh I'm hiring her to like fill a quota just as much of a risk every opportunity every new hire is a risk because you don't know how it's going to work out yeah source more women find them and hire them like it was a great quote from lesbian Sue tech which was like if you want to hire more black women it's a really simple um methodology of approaching this hire more black women go out find them find the ones that suit your company and recruit them and it maybe it will take like more time or maybe it will take a shift of thinking about how you approach recruiting but make the effort give a shit and go and find the people that are going to like a be great employees for your company who you are missing out on having in your team otherwise so that's from the kind of like company side of what I want them to do is like really give a damn have some integrity and go out and find great women for their companies Um, and on the other side of it I would probably say to women to like take more risks and be more proactive at finding opportunities and positions that they could be going to so I for example like when we're looking to hire women I will contact when I first came to San Francisco, we were hiring an engineer and I was like, because of the nature of our company, I probably contact more women than I do men because from experience, I found that what our company does resonates more with women than it does with men. But we still contact guys like who could be interesting or look like they could be good engineers. Um, but so I was contacting probably at one point equal amounts of women as men. And uh, every time I, and I would always ask them to say like, you know, we're looking for someone I'd love to meet for a coffee I think you could be a great addition to the team every single guy that I messaged said I'm not looking right now but yes let's meet for a coffee and I'll find out like uh, more about your company and tell you more about me about 15% of the women that I messaged agreed to meet me for a coffee and none of the others would and so I think and, and part of me understands it like women have to fight harder for the positions that they get they have to fight harder for the salaries that they want and if you get a good job that has a good salary like you're a little bit less inclined to chuck it all in and risk it. But I think even just having the conversation and knowing what's out there, knowing your opportunities, you never know what might lead into something for you. And from the experience that I had is that too many women 
say no to a lot of opportunities that they're presented with yeah. and I really wish that they would take up more opportunities and just do more things um, that are out there and, and say yes to more things yeah and I think that's the nice thing about Geek Girl actually is that one thing I find apart from the whole like pumped gonna take the world <laughs> is that generally most people that come along to our events or speak with us at the events they are that everyone comes and they're working on something whether it's something within a role within a company, whether they're a founder, they'd be doing anything, it could be an initiative or anything, and the answer to everything is always yes. So it's quite a proactive bunch yeah. that tend to come along, which is great. So if you're that kind of person that literally needs like a kick up the arse to go and do yeah. the next big thing, it's a good thing to come to. But also Geek Girl takes away the reasons to say no that people will say otherwise, exactly. which is like it's either like too much an effort to get there or I don't know what I would talk about or I couldn't possibly talk for 30 minutes. Like all the things that would make someone say no, we're like, anyone can do a five minute talk about anything. Like, and the difference of actually standing up on stage and doing it for maybe the first time or maybe for the fifth time, but like it, it opens up your mind, I think, to realizing I can do this. Like I can absolutely do this. And then you're more likely to say yes to the next one that comes up and everything kind of builds from there. Yeah. I love Geek Girl. <laughs> Just to put I that out there. Well, we're on the you know Geek Girl Meets podcast. I should definitely plug Geek Girl as much as possible. <laughs> cool. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up. I could probably keep talking to you forever yeah. because this is fun. Um, we'll just chit chat. It's just chit chat. Yeah. And I'm going to take you to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's when the podcast gets switched off. Um, who's been like a massive inspiration for you? Um. Uh, mm. Oh, I never really have a good answer to this one. I'm like, there's not one person that I'm like, you're you're the one, you're the person that like killed it for me. I think various different stages for me at like my learning, what I can absorb at that piece of time, like different benchmarks. I think all of those become things that I kind of want to, that have like become inspiration. So I think when I think back to like when I was in London, my friend George, like he was, he was a year ahead of me and having someone that was that much further ahead made a massive difference of, of seeing clear like goals of where I wanted to be and having someone to talk to about it. Catherine Parsons has been, I, I love her. I love Decoded. I think she's an awesome person and she's a fantastic champion of other women. And she made me believe that I could do it Courtney Boyd Myers like when I was first starting she like uh, really inspired me like she knew everyone she made me see the value of networking and what it could really mean to have good relationships yeah um she was a yeah big influence um uh, and then I think I mean I had an advisor George Bukowski for a bit he was he ran product at Halo um uh, he made me think about product in a way that I hadn't before um uh, now I'm since I came to America the person who led our round is Alexis who founded Reddit he's incredible he talks about community and I just like I, I read all the stuff that he writes and all the work that he does with Reddit now that he's back there like uh, I use as a guide a lot I think he's amazing I mentioned her earlier but Cara Swisher is rad she's the kind of person you'll email her and she will reply within a minute and a half and she must get thousands of oh, yeah. emails a day doing what she does but she replies to people instantly it's like in out but she gets crap done and that efficiency I just thought was awesome yeah um her ex-wife Megan Smith as in terms of like influence and an achievement like she was at Google X and is now the CTO of America of someone who could like as a queer woman who's doing such an incredible position she's 
been amazing. Ah, lots of people. One of the things I found interesting about doing this podcast and asking that question about who you find inspirational is some people can name like one or two people they've gone, yeah, that person's actually made a huge impact on my life in some way. And then so many others have gone, no, way too many. And that, I, I, you know, I think both answers are awesome because you should feel inspired by multiple different people. But if you have actually got that kind of one hero, that's a good Maybe thing it's well. like a, a sim- like a metaphor what's going to happen in like relationships for me. You know, maybe there's not going to be the one person that will be the guiding light. Maybe I'll keep like bouncing from different person to different person. But I, the reason I think it's important for me is because I'm such a different person. I really feel like almost every three months, like who I am and the kind of advice that I need and the kind of relationship I need with someone to get advice from them hugely changes like I think about my investors and the relationships I have with them and that changes as I change and the company changes and I think I I imagine it would be very difficult that's where I thought about it as relationships I imagine it would be really difficult to find someone that would be able to almost mirror me and meet everything that I need as I'm changing so rapidly because they can like handle it all Um, so I think it's probably very magical for people that do find one person that can give them advice throughout their whole like startup journey or who's like been consistently um, a source of information for them whereas yeah mine has changed so much with me cool so I think we've kind of covered a lot which is great and it's awesome to see you in San Francisco and please can you hire me so I can come yeah. out here and, <laughs> and all of those things um, guys you've been listening to Geek Girl Meets uh, please do follow us on Twitter so all of the usual, usual channels for Geek Girl so at GGMUK on Twitter. Uh, go to Geek Girl Meetup UK on Facebook. I'm at Kathy White 10 and Robin is at Robin Exton. Correct. Yes, nailed it. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for this. Thanks for having me, Yay. reconnecting the Geek Girls. Yeah, I know, it's <laughs> awesome. Um, so hopefully uh, at some point further on down in the Geek Girl series, we will also talk to Josie and Magda yeah. and Kaylee and Miggy. And, and you, someone's going to have to interview you. No. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, which one of you wants to interview yeah. me? Um, but I think it's a nice opportunity for, you know, you guys to actually hear who the geek girls are. Because yeah. like you say, we all do this as something that we love for the community and it's nice to actually get to know the geek girl behind the geek girl. Yeah, that works. Meet up. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, guys, till the next episode, do follow us and we'll speak soon. Boo. We just end with a big San Francisco. <laughs> Mind <noise>. drop. <laughs>